0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about tricks and strategies to aid faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Gina Galanou-Luchin, and today we will be chatting with Dr. Kevin Chamberlain, Dr. Maria Janakos, and Dr. Amy Henneman about pharmacy residency onboarding challenges, especially in the aftermath of COVID-19. To start, I wanna thank everyone for joining us today. We're very excited to explore these best practices and help with pharmacy residency onboarding um, in this time. Before we dive into our content, um, how about we go around the room and just share um, a little bit about your guys' background. Kevin, we'll start with you. Can you share a little bit about your role in with residency over your career?
1: Sure. Thanks. I'm Kevin Chamberlain. I'm the University Director of Residency Programs at UConn Health, our major academic center associated with the University of Connecticut. I've been the Residency Program Director for the better part of 10 years, and we have a relatively kind of standard prototypical residency here at UConn Health. It's our ASHB accredited PGY-1 Residency and it, it's really balanced between inpatient and outpatient pharmacy experiences and presence. We range from rounding in the MICU to clinical work in our outpatient infusion center and everything in between. We have pharmacists embedded in our pharmacist run anticoag clinic, our primary care clinics, oncology clinics, and pharmacists obviously on the inpatient side, um, on our internal medicine service, our ID service, and in our grant funded pain center.
0: Very good, so it's a good mix of outpatient and inpatient, which will be um, good to tackle as we discuss the onboarding challenges and differences between the two. You share um, some of your your background.
2: Thank you, my name is Maria Janakos and I'm the residency program director for a national home infusion provider. Our organization, we provide care for all pa- or for patients in all 50 states. Our scope of practice includes both acute and chronic management of patients needing therapies from parenteral nutrition, the traditional antimicrobials, um, immunotherapy drugs and specialty drugs. The PGY-1 program that we have encompasses eight positions in seven different locations across the US. So in my role as the RPD, I work closely with the local preceptors at each one of our locations to ensure we're providing the most optimal residency experience for our residents great thank you
0: maria and that model with all 50 states is going to be interesting to explore well um, so thanks for sharing amy how about you
3: yeah my name is amy henneman I'm currently an associate professor of pharmacy practice at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, However, I just recently transitioned into this position. Prior to that, I was um, an associate professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, where I was residency program director for seven years for our PGY-1 program and then more recently for the PGY2 and ambulatory care. Those programs are were both multi-site programs. Uh, for the PGY1, we collaborated with one of our community hospitals, uh, the local VA Medical Center, and then uh, with some of our faculty that were embedded in some of our community ambulatory care clinics. For our PGY-2 program, it takes place primarily in collaboration with the VA Medical Center, where our resident trained in primary care and then various specialty clinics, and then the resident had the opportunity to work with faculty precepted ambulatory care clinics in the community. So they were able to learn to serve a diverse group of patients with a variety of needs.
0: Very nice. Thanks for sharing that. Again, the multi-site component is is going to be interesting to explore. You know, obviously all three of you have very extensive involvement with your respective pharmacy residency sites, current and past. And as you very well know, incoming residents are about to start their year of training, which is hard to believe for the 2021-2022 year um, in just a few weeks. So among the many challenges that COVID-19 has brought on, is the tendency to shift non essential training or interactions to remote experiences? And often our learners and P4s are coming in with uh, mostly a virtual training experience model. So, on a high level, what do you anticipate the first few weeks of resident onboarding to look like this year compared to other years?
2: Our onboarding setup and structure had a significant virtual component pre-COVID-19 because of how we are set up as a national company with the residents and myself being remote from each other. So thankfully we did not have to adjust our orientation and onboarding dramatically, specific to orienting to the residency program. We do typically meet as a group at our headquarters outside of Chicago about two months into the program But of course, unfortunately we were unable to do so with the travel restrictions of last year. And then with our unique setting, we are somewhat accustomed to having incoming residents with varying degrees of clinical experience in our core or specialty therapies. So we spend a good portion of that orientation period kind of level setting all the residents um, just because of the wide range of experiences they've had with those therapies.
0: That's very helpful. That level setting of um, clinical content is is super um, important and very unique to your setting since you've been doing this for a long time. Very nice, thank you, Maria. Amy, what about you?
3: You know, this past year we had to shift many of our orientation activities to a virtual format, which was new for us. Uh, and so, as we're looking at the next year, I think thankfully since there's been a lot of um, a lot more knowledge in regards to you know, managing COVID and, and the different safeguards in place, uh, I think we'll see a, both of a mix of both in-person and virtual activities. As a multi-site program for us, some of this would be dictated by the various facilities, but I think for those onboarding activities which can be done with appropriate safeguards in place, I think we will move to an in-person format when possible. On the flip side of this, though, I think that having to move so many things to virtual formats over the last year has allowed us to streamline some of our processes. And so I think for those things that did seem to work better in that virtual format, we'll be able to continue those moving forward.
0: Great point, Amy. Yes, definitely. The virtual environment has helped us kind of reassess some of our process. So I'm glad to hear that you may be keeping some of the things that did work well. Um, Kevin, how about you?
1: Yeah, we were really curious through our interview season how this might actually pan out after the match. Uh, But really, you know, it looks like despite how hard the Northeast was hit with COVID-19 at various times throughout the last year, that the major academic sites for our incoming class were able to offer those in-person experiences for better than 80 to 90 percent of their appy experiences and rotations. And honestly, here on site, we're we're all in on being in-person for our onboarding process going forward.
0: Good to hear, and I am glad that um, in your area they were able to accommodate that in-person experience for the students. So um, that's—it's really interesting to see the variability between state to state and school to school, even. All right, so you know we talked about how this past year um, was different uh, for the training of students, not only in the virtual experience, but also because they got such a robust exposure to treating patients with COVID-19. In a time, you know, what we've heard is that this came at a cost of perhaps limited or different exposure to other disease states or care experiences. Um, So do you anticipate that this heavy emphasis on COVID-19 may bring some challenges as you onboard new residents with regards to their clinical experience and expertise on other disease states? Amy, we'll go to you first. I think COVID
3: has definitely made for a less predictable first year resident. Um, You know, our fourth year students have had a variety of experiences and certainly I think it's looked a a little more varied than it has in previous years. Because of this, I anticipate that we may need much more in-depth needs assessments maybe at the beginning uh, of the year. I know we all have those assessments that we routinely do, but I think for the incoming residents this year and maybe even for the next several years, um, we'll need to carve out some time to just have some deeper conversation and maybe some of those additional methods to really hone in on the types of experiences the residents had as fourth year students to help work with them and determine where maybe they didn't have as in-depth of an experience or even just as much variety as they would have had prior to COVID. I think this is going to be necessary not only for our residents, but even more so for our residency preceptors to help them identify how they may need to adjust a learning experience to quickly get that resident up to speed. Um, And we'll also factor into each of our residents customized training plans. Ideally, I think if we can identify as many of those areas Um, up front at the start of the program, it will allow us to preemptively put some things in place. Maybe that's additional topic discussions, training sessions, or even learning experiences that would help bring everyone up to that baseline level of expectation and really just help the resident acclimate more quickly.
0: Great point, Amy. I love the in-depth assessment and and really tackling it from the start so you know what the game plan will be for the year. Um, And also looping in the preceptors is so crucial to the success of the resident. Um, Kevin, what about you? Anything to add?
1: This is definitely a concern or maybe a better said as an area of unknown, um, Gina. So, you know, I I actually like what Amy just said. She said, you know, that less predictable first-year resident. Our our RAC recently discussed this very item at our annual program review, and we're going to be a little bit more scripted and formal about some add-on learning experiences within our orientation period during during onboarding, things like lunch and learns with high need topics or a more structured ICU training with accompanying reading and not just exposure to order sets or rounds or their workflow, which we might typically limit to during orientation. We really wanna build our residents' confidence in these intense settings much earlier on, we think, um, especially where some of these experiences may have been high volume or intensely focused on on largely COVID-19 patients only.
0: Great points there. Um, and I know, Maria, you touched on this earlier, so we can we can kind of move on, but you also have a robust specialty um, training and clinical training at the beginning. So it sounds like there's, uh, there's some changes, some of you are remaining, but I'm glad that these conversations are happening. So along the same lines of our discussion, uh, we've had many student pharmacists and residents um, that trained virtually, but may not have had face-to-face interaction. On the flip side, many sites are shifting some of their care expectations to telemedicine, so this could be new for some learners that maybe did have the face to face or maybe didn't have similar technologies in the telemedicine that we are uh, providing today. So do you foresee changes to the training um, when we're talking about the telehealth component of the residence experience?
1: So what's interesting is our anti-coag clinic had always had some level of telemedicine as part of the clinical service, Gina. And while much higher telehealth volume exists now, it wasn't really a huge shift or change to kind of what our onboarding thought process will be. Elsewhere, tele and video-based visits have certainly seen an uptick, places like primary care and oncology. Um, in particular, but while pharmacy is a little bit more challenging ability to do our kind of prototypical piggyback visits like we might do for our in-person visits in some of our clinic settings, it's an adjustment that, that we're adapting to it and certainly embracing alongside our medical colleagues.
0: That's great to know. And it's good that you had that early foundation, so this isn't as new
2: um, to a lot of your providers.
0: Maria, what about you? Can you talk a little bit about your experience with telemedicine in the program?
2: Sure. With us, the clinical management of home infusion patients by pharmacists has traditionally been largely telephonic to begin with. So therefore, those skills are absolutely necessary to be a proficient home infusion practitioner and for our residents as well. Not surprisingly, our residency classes each year have varying levels of skills in this area. We are considering adding some additional role-playing during the orientation period, especially with some of our pharmacy technicians helping us do this since they spend a a good portion of their days talking with patients. And that would be to work through some of the more difficult or trying scenarios that residents might encounter as they transition into pharmacist roles um, with our organization as well.
0: That's a great idea. I love how you're leveraging your pharmacy technicians to help with this training and Um, The role playing is definitely, definitely a good method. Amy, what about you?
3: So we definitely expect our residents to be engaged in more telemedicine moving forward um, than they were prior to COVID. Uh, Prior to this, this would have been a very small portion of our resident experiences. I don't think that we'll incorporate anything formal during our orientation process. Historically, um, we've always had a topic discussion and just kind of a, a debriefing time around communication. Uh, especially because we're a multi-site program and our residents also interact with a lot of students both in and out of the classroom. Uh, what I could envision though is adding some conversation during that time potentially around an act, um, interacting with patients in various formats, but I do think that there are some things that experience and feedback are really the best ways to learn and this may be one of those areas, um, you know, certainly we'll be f- kind of figuring that out as we go along, um, but where our residents have limited experience in either face-to-face or virtual patient interactions, really probably the best way for them to learn is by doing and receiving that feedback and coaching from their preceptors.
0: Great, great points. So I, I like the topic discussion angle, too. So we've covered the clinical training, we've covered operational, some somewhat even HR challenges, and overall anything related to onboarding with residents. But what about some of the less um, operational pieces, let's talk about team building bonding and and some of the intangible learnings um, for the pharmacy culture. What are some changes that your programs have been seeing when building a support system for residents and what advice do you have for others struggling to create it, especially as we do have a lot of virtual components still that are bleeding into the new year for the residents.
2: With the loss of our in-person event, which we traditionally had in the in the first few months or in the fall, um, as well as the two in-person national meetings that our residents are required to attend. I would say that was one of the larger disappointments during the last year of not being able to have the group meet in person. We do meet virtually as a group one to two times per week during the orientation period. Cameras have to be on, you, um, residents are expected to be engaged. We do incorporate some personality quizzes and inventories and things of that sort with other lighter topics mixed in with the standard residency orientation material. As we progress through the first few months, we do maintain our every other week. We call it a resident business meeting. And again, cameras must be on. As a company, we rely heavily on the instant message or chat feature through our web applications and our residents have naturally migrated to this as a communication and support tool, particularly when they rotate through our drug information service duties that are expected of them. And despite not ever having met in person, this current residency class is incredibly close and supportive of each other, which is rewarding for me as RPD to see.
0: Yeah, that's nice to hear. And I think that frequency and contact that you have is definitely helpful to have help build those connections. So, um, and the personality quizzes you mentioned, it's always nice to add a light note to the business meetings. Amy, what about you? Yeah, I think
3: this has uh, definitely been one of the toughest areas to navigate during the pandemic. Uh, For us, our residents' home office is at the university, so when they're not engaged in clinical responsibilities or if they have on-campus teaching, they return to this office. Um, But this is also their time uh, to interact with the other residents and other programs as well, and also get to know other various faculty on campus. So with social distancing These interactions have been severely limited over the past year, and I think it did really make it difficult for our residents to feel connected both to each other and to other faculty members, especially initially. A lot of those organic relationships that result from just chatting prior to a meeting or grabbing lunch together, they just haven't been able to happen over the last year. And so while I definitely don't think we found a perfect solution, I think that as a whole, uh, we're definitely trying to be more intentional about reaching out to the residents. I know from a director perspective, I started meeting with the residents more frequently, even if via Zoom just briefly is kind of a wellness check to try and ensure that they felt supported um, and to facilitate connections when needed. As a whole, I think as a program, we are working more formally to incorporate well-being longitudinally into our program, and COVID has definitely helped spur this along. I think advice I would say to other programs that maybe are working through this would be to be really intentional about reaching out to your residents and also to be creative. Maybe this is a good time to start some new traditions and some new team bonding activities that you can carry forward for years to come.
0: Amy, I'm so glad you brought the well-being component of it because it's so important to touch base with them, especially if you don't see them on a daily basis. Just make sure your residents are, are well and they're able to not only perform, but also enjoy the experience as much as they can. So thanks for bringing that up. Kevin, what about you?
1: Honestly, this is what has hit us the most, I think. Uh, we do a year-long personal and professional development series alongside our first-year medical residents, and these have moved almost exclusively to a virtual format and experience, and that's been tough. Some of our team-building events in our leadership development series had to be adapted for you know a socially distanced, acceptable approach, and frankly, they're just not the same. And obviously the loss of the social events, things like mid-year that others have mentioned and, and getting up at 4 a.m. to pile into a minivan and, and drive to a regional recruiting event in Boston or, or grab a happy hour somewhere or something, those have been the challenges. And But in the same light, we've gotten pretty creative. Others have mentioned, you know, how to do things and, and embrace opportunity and we've really bonded over some of these changes. Our, our coffee runs have become much more valuable and intentional. We've done virtual trivia nights and virtual escape rooms. And, and this spring, we were finally able to grab dinner out as a small group that's all vaccinated now, but I truly feel that this class really did get shortchanged on, on some of these particulars.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Kevin. It's definitely a change, right? With what we've been able to do and hopefully with vaccinations, we'll see it a little bit more um ability to do some in-person events, obviously keeping um, safe precautions in mind. but glad to hear that there's creative avenues that maybe we can continue thinking about. So these thoughts have been really great, and uh, we've gotten some best practices from you know past learners and the new learners, and you know who knows what's next year going to bring. But before we part for the day, I just wanted to to see if anyone had any last pieces of advice or closing thoughts that we can share with our listeners. Maria, we'll start with you.
2: I would say my biggest piece of advice is to make connections through common ground, especially in the beginning, but then also throughout the year. There's always something to find pets, family, travel, favorites of any kind. This is incredibly important in the virtual world as it helps the residents feel more comfortable and it does expedite some of the team building virtually For me personally, it isn't uncommon that I'll share highs and lows or frustrating or humorous moments that I've had current happenings and such with my residents at those resident regular meetings that we have, which end up being every other week. And I think it helps them. It helps them realize I'm a human away from pharmacy life and it helps to build trust. I try to find some commonalities within the residency class also based on their CVs or maybe something I learned about them from their interviews and so on. Um, Just anything that I can brag about each of them to the group since it isn't likely or natural for them to do so on their own in a Zoom call with essentially strangers in the beginning of that residency year. For example, if I have a, a Black Belt resident who I learned during the interview process, you know she can break cinder blocks. I'll find ways to kind of weave that into our group meeting since I know it's not something that she's necessarily going to bring up. And I, I do that with each of them. Even now, onboarding our incoming class in our group, we have one resident who's already licensed, and so I asked her, "Do you have advice and tips and tricks for your future co-residents about exams and?" juggling that with orientation or preparing to start the residency. And she offered some phenomenal tips to them. And so I, I'm trying to start that even now with this incoming class to get some of the connection going earlier rather than when they start.
0: I love that you're really bringing out the individuality of each resident and helping with the team building. And it, it kind of helps move it away from business all the time. So great, great ideas, especially through Zoom and online platforms. Amy, what about you?
3: No, I think flexibility has certainly been the theme of the last year, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. I think I would encourage creating that open dialogue with both preceptors and residents early on regarding strengths and weaknesses and just taking a team approach to getting everyone up to speed. Um, I think we're going to see that customized training plan really take center stage and as well as that need for formal wellness initiatives as we work to really help further that resident growth and development. So I think I would encourage directors and preceptors to just think creatively, again, outside the box during this time and use some of these challenges as an opportunity to really help strengthen your
1: program.
0: Great, great thoughts, Amy. Kevin, anything else to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think really the the take-home theme was to be sure to make those personal connections. It's been a year of missing that before, after, between lecture chats or, or harder to grab a bite to eat with your trainees. Like I mentioned, we made coffee runs a, a big thing, probably way bigger than they ever were or really used to be, and, and probably really need to be. But you know, it's intentional and purposeful. You know, another thing we did was we built in the hashtag #Otilt. That one thing I learned today, and, and hashtag Good and Welfare, as actual agenda items into our residency advisory committee meetings. Really, as an intentional means of, of socialization and humanizing, and just bringing us all back together, and and really doing those well-being check-ins. If you will. So, you know, just don't forget to pause in the moment as we're all working our tails off and remember the people behind the white coats and titles are are still people.
0: I love that last statement, Kevin. Uh, We're all still people. So those connections are so important um, to our well-being and uh, building a team and being more productive, too. So I really appreciate all your time today. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us today, discussing your onboarding practices, some of the challenges you've seen, and some creative solutions that you've implemented. For our audience and listeners, if you haven't before, I do encourage you to check out ASHP's educator resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings, such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, the Pharmacy Educators Resource Center, and then exchange ideas with your peers through ASHP Connect, through listening to someone more of our podcasts so thanks again everyone for tuning in for the session of educator essentials and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation be sure to subscribe to ashp podcast through your favorite podcast provider thank you for listening to ashp official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes access show notes and download the episode transcript if you loved the episode and want to hear more Be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.